ahead and borrow our sister site's opening of their podcast and just say, what is happening? And I don't mean that in like a Nick Pollock is excited to talk about baseball, what is happening. I mean, what does anyone know what's happening in the NFL right now? Can anyone explain to me? Did did we open a vortex to like this crazy bizarro land of, of just wide receivers not being with their team and and quarterbacks? And I, what what is going on? <laughs> at one point I was seeing that Odell Beckham needed to apologize to Baker Mayfield. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What did he even do? Like, what did I miss there? Like, yeah, there were, I'm like three steps behind on some of these news stories. It's wild. I, I, I love the, uh, like how many different people tweeted out the Aaron Rodgers vaccination on vaccination immunization. Was he lying? Did, did the Packers get duped? Have the NFL been duped all along? Like what is, ha- what I just, I just really, I don't understand I hope by the end of this podcast, we, we can uh, we can all get some clarity on what's going on in the NFL and what it means for our lineups. Um, Ryan, how are you? How are you finding uh, your your fine Wednesday here? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm just kind of scrolling down my Twitter timeline in disbelief at every new thing I see. And it's almost like every time you see something insane, like Odell Beckham Jr.'s father posted an Instagram highlight video of all the times that Baker hasn't thrown to Odell. You just know that something crazier is coming. Michael <laughs> Thomas is out for the year. I, Derrick Henry is probably out for the year. Like, what what is going on? Michael Thomas, by the way, wasted absolutely no time. He was like, oh, the trade deadline passed and I'm still here. Cool. Well, uh, I guess I can't play the rest of the year. Isn't that funny? Wow. What weird timing on that one. What a, what a shame. Um, I don't know who I saw. You mentioning Twitter, Ryan, reminded me. I don't know who I saw tweet this out, but they said that they had a, a, a screenshot from the NFL's COVID protocols that if you lie about your vaccination status uh, and you end up getting COVID, then you have to like forfeit all your Super Bowl uh, wins in, in your entire history, all of your awards. Um, you can keep your uh, conference losses, though. Um, so whoever this was, was a very salty <laughs> Uh, NFC North non-Packers fan. I thought that was uh, it was it was one of those moments where I was like, okay, cool, something happened in the NFL, and and it wasn't trades at the trade deadline. Yeah, we've even got people online. Uh, they're posting pictures of Rogers getting on the charter jet and posting the rules about COVID, whether you're allowed to fly on the charter jet if you're not vaccinated or not. Like the internet detectives are in full force right now with this Aaron Rodgers situation. It's pretty wild. Uh, I was trying to think of a good meme with the new Aaron Rodgers picture related to the vaccine, vaccine but I, I couldn't come up with one. So <laughs> it's a great, it's a great new meme template, by the way. And this is this is really reminiscent of. Uh of when the first video came out about the Astros um, trash can banging. I kind of feel like this Aaron Rodgers is, or, or also up there with um, the Cam Newton uh, uh, situation last year when, you know, they were all like, Oh my God, look, he was like talking to uh, Pat Mahomes, like helmet to helmet or Lamar Jackson. I can't remember which quarterback it was but all kinds of, of analysis on all this stuff. It, we're getting wild out here, but okay. Let's actually let's actually mention what is happening um, and, and what's going on. So um, Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID. He is confirmed out this week against the Chiefs. Um, backup quarterback Kurt Benkert also tested positive, leaving Jordan Love as the only currently healthy member of the uh, Packers uh, quarterback room. Um, he is the presumed starter for now. They did sign Blake Bortles just in case. Um, we don't ha- want to have another Kendall Hinton situation where we got to elevate a practice squad wide receiver to be the starting quarterback for, for a game. Um, nobody wants that. 
Um, I'm not sure anyone wants Jordan Love to start either, but you know, we'll we'll take what we can get. He's actually a quarterback. Um, what what does this mean for this game against the Chiefs? Um, should we be picking up the Chiefs defense right now? Uh, should we should we be you know dropping uh, Packers players that aren't named Devontae Adams if, as if we haven't done that already? Um, Aaron Jones aside, uh, what 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 are we doing here in Green Bay, Eric? Yeah, I mean, that's part of the issue is that uh, I still trust the Packers running game and Devontae Adams is probably good enough to survive this for a week. So there's not really too many other players affected on Green Bay. As far as picking up the Chiefs defense, I'm not all that excited. I have them defense 14. I think the Packers are still going to be able to run the ball. It's kind of like a great experiment here with the Packers. Like last week, we got Aaron Rodgers without Devontae Adams and now we get uh, Devontae Adams without Aaron Rodgers. So we get maybe, to see a week of maybe uh, we get it. Yeah, because well, Devontae Adams still has not been activated from the COVID list. Alan Lazard was. Um, obviously, COVID affects everyone differently, and and who knows? Um, hopefully, we we get to see Devontae Adams without Aaron Rodgers, and we can find out truly uh, who's the reacher and who's the settler in that relationship. <laughs> and we can see how bad Jordan Love is. Uh, we can see how good this running game is without Aaron Rodgers. It's it's a it's a great experiment this week. Kind of like when we get to the Titans later, it's going to be an interesting experiment going forward. So as much as it uh, hurts to have these players out, I am interested to see what's going to happen here. Yeah, just uh, the Chiefs have have only scored uh, eight points once. Uh, that was against the Washington football team a few weeks ago. They have scored five points or more four times. But I mean, if we're saying, I mean, they've they've played some less than stellar offenses, um, not many, but you know, a few, and they, they weren't able to take advantage in those situations. So um, I don't see why they would be suddenly like a blow up team here. Um, Ryan, any, any thoughts on, on do you like, do you play Devonte Adams this week? If he's healthy, regardless, like if Blake Bortles is the starter, are you still like, cool, Devonte Adams, you're starting for me. No problem. Yeah, you play Devontae Adams because he's still going to have the massive target share that he always amasses on the Packers. And I mean, we've seen him play with non-Aaron Rodgers quarterbacks before. He was still a wide receiver one in that year when Rodgers was hurt and Brett Hundley was throwing to him. I'm not that worried about Adams for a week. You're still playing him. But other than that, I'm not all that interested. Okay. Yeah, that was uh 2017 when Hunley started uh nine games for the Packers. What a what a dark time of uh, Packers history that was. Uh okay. Um Odell Beckham Jr. has been sent home. Uh just hey, pack your bags. Please don't be in Cleveland anymore. Um we couldn't find anyone who <laughs> would trade for you and not make us pay for your salary. So we don't want you here. Uh get <laughs> get out of here. That's basically what they said to Odell Beckham Jr. I don't what like i i don't think i've seen this happen before in the nfl uh at, at least not as far as i can remember where a team was just like yeah that's cool we'll pay you uh <laughs> they don't want to waive him um they just they just want him gone and i don't i don't know like what the future holds for odell beckham jr and i don't know what this means for the cleveland offense yeah, it's been a little while since I've looked at the Browns receivers contracts, but I did this offseason. I'm pretty sure they can just like move on from him with very little penalty after this year. So they just had to make it through one more year together and they couldn't even get there. So I don't know. This Cleveland offense is a mess. Um, it does kind of lock in uh, Jarvis Landry. I mean, who else are they going to throw the ball to at this point? I think he had 10 targets last week. He's pretty locked into a high volume share. It's not going to be exciting, but. It solidifies him. Otherwise, this passing game is pretty bad in Cleveland. So it was bad with with Odell. I, I don't think it's going to be much worse without him, honestly. 
Yeah, I mean, it, you know, like uh, Ryan mentioned, we're going to have videos of of uh, Baker Mayfield not throwing to Odell um, coming out here soon. It's not like they were throwing to him anyway. So, I mean, just have uh, uh, Schwartz just go out there and run the same routes, and it'll end up with probably the same effect anyway. Um, how is Jarvis Landry someone that you can start? Is it a PPR-only situation? Like, how high are you ranking Jarvis Landry? I mean, he's definitely better in PPR, but I've got him at wide receiver 33 and it's, a, you know, it's in one of those ranges of receivers. You could pretty easily bump him up seven spots from there. So yeah, I think he's right in the wide receiver three range and he's going to have a nice floor. He may not have those blow up weeks, but they do get him involved in the red zone occasionally. So yeah, I think he's a pretty solid receiver now going forward. Okay. Uh, Michael Thomas said that he's uh, had a setback um, and is done for the year. So if you were hanging on to Michael Thomas in your IR spot, you can just drop him now. Um, I Does he play for the Saints again? I'm, I'm not exactly sure of his contract status, but he seems like he's not happy. And then you throw in all these injuries. Yeah, I, I think this might be the end here for Thomas. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of my take too. Like, even before the season, it was pretty easy to speculate that he just kind of wanted out of New Orleans once Breeze was gone. I mean, he is under contract until 2024, technically, but the Saints can get out of it pretty easily uh, after this year. So I don't know. We'll have to see how it goes, but I am going to assume he wants to leave. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the NFL. The, the salary cap and contracts are all mostly made up anyway, so uh, they can do whatever they want. Uh, Michael Thomas, though, yeah, you're right. I, I kind of forgot that before the season started, but you know, obviously there was a whole, like he waited forever to get surgery and that was going to keep him out for the first like six weeks of the year. But there was a lot of, of smoke, a lot of news about him just not being happy. Um, not talking to, what was it? Like he ghosted the organization for months. Like that, that stuff all kind of went away when we put him on the back burner anyway, because of his injury. So, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I kind of forgot about that. Um, yeah, keeping with wide receivers, Calvin Ridley has stepped away uh, for personal reasons. Um, I, we, there's, I, I don't think anyone knows what to expect here when we can expect Calvin to come back um, and play football for the Falcons. Um, you know, hopefully he does what's best for himself and his mental health, and you know, comes back when he's ready and doesn't doesn't um, try to rush things. Uh, without getting too much into what this means for Calvin Ridley, uh, what does this mean for the Falcons' offense? I don't. I, I guess I kind of have to ask, like, if you have Calvin Ridley, what are you doing with him? Are you just throwing him on an IR spot if you have one and just waiting things out? Yeah, I'm personally struggling with that right now. And we don't have IR spots other than for COVID in my league. So I'm kind of just hoping for like a news update here in the next week. Just something because uh, we were, we're really not getting much right now. Uh, but if this goes past this week, I think you're pretty safe to drop him, honestly. It's just, it's one of those tough calls. We don't know if we're going to get a news update this week or for, you know, six weeks, we don't hear anything. So uh, it's massive though. I mean, he was 10th in the NFL and target share among all wide receivers around 27%. We saw this offense just crater last week without him. I think they can make some adjustments and do a little better than that, but uh, this is putting a lot on Kyle Pitts's shoulders now to carry this offense through the air. So there could be some real rocky weeks here from this Falcons offense, but it does open up a ton of work for everyone else in the passing game here. Yeah, I agree. Kyle Pitts is really the only one I'm interested in benefiting here. I don't think Olamide Zacchaeus or Russell Gage are going to be the guys that step up and become 
big fantasy contributors. And as for whether to drop him, it's just really hard to say. Like, we have basically zero information. Like Eric said, I would probably hold on to him as long as I can. But if I get to a point with bye weeks and my bench size that I just can't justify it anymore, then I guess you are going to have to let him go. Yeah, it sucks. I, I don't want to have to talk about that, but we, we kind of need to. And it sucks. Sorry to, uh, you know, have to have that conversation. Um, We talked about the receiving game. What about for Mike Davis or Cordell Patterson? Um, Obviously, things have been trending in the wrong direction for Davis. This past week was an improvement, I suppose. Nine carries for 44 yards and five targets or sorry, five receptions for 22 yards on six targets. Um, Cordell Patterson, I'm assuming, is a, a, still a must start. But I mean, is there any concern? What, how are you weighting the whole increased volume versus like how much more defensive attention someone like Cordero Patterson is going to see or like the effectiveness of a Mike Davis touch? Yeah, I, I think it's definitely a positive for Mike Davis because he hasn't really been doing much with his touches anyway. So I'm not sure how much that matters, but we did see last week uh, his snap share shot up. Um, he was at 64%. And I, I would imagine that Patterson plays a little more of a receiver role than he did already. And maybe they're both on the field a little more. So I think it's good for Mike Davis just in general. Like at this point, I think your only hope with Mike Davis is just getting four or five catches a week on dump offs. There's not going to be much more there, um, but he was scoring, you know, 10 PPR points a week, most of the season. So um, Patterson, I don't think the increased attention, I think it hurts Pitts increased attention, maybe a little bit more at first than Patterson. I think Patterson can kind of keep his role and they'll keep getting the ball in the short game. So no, I think it's probably a good thing in general for these running backs. Yeah, I think Patterson's probably just immune to touchdown regression at this point. Like I, I'm <laughs> done trying to argue till I'm blue in the face that he's gotten lucky in the touchdown department this year. So I guess he's just going to continue to do what he's doing. Yeah, I think I saw a stat recently that Patterson has 43% of the uh, Falcons touchdowns this season, which is um, <laughs> the highest mark of, of any player in the NFL. Um, so, you know, he's he is just absolutely doing everything that needs to be done uh, to score the football and um, making Jacoby Myers sit there wondering what what is he doing wrong? Jacoby Myers needs to watch Cordero Patterson film is what is what it is. Um, that that's how Myers is going to be able to get those touchdowns. Um, and then finally, Derek Henry, unfortunately, uh, had surgery. Um, whether his timeline is six weeks or 10 weeks or whatever, he is basically done for the fantasy football season. Um, best case scenario, uh, is that he comes back in time for like your semifinals, uh, and, and they, you know, and, and is fully ramped by then, as opposed to, you know, like it's his first game back and maybe he gets you know, 10 touches or something like that. So I guess really what you're hoping for is the Titans to start losing some games, um, be fighting for their spot in the playoffs and Derrick Henry to be coming back in six weeks. Um, so obviously you're hanging on to him, but uh, obviously the most added players on Yahoo this past week were Tennessee running backs. That's Adrian Peterson and Jeremy McNichols. Both were added in over 400,000 leagues. Uh, how high are you ranking Peterson and McNichols? Um, are you willing to start them this week against the Rams? Uh, are you just benching them and, and waiting and seeing it? And, and, and which one are you more interested in? Yeah, so this week I'm definitely more interested in Jeremy McNichols. I have him RB25. I've got Adrian Peterson RB30. Uh, a lot of that is the matchup against the Rams, obviously, and then also Peterson just joining the team. But against the Rams, this could profile as a game where McNichols, you know, he's been on the team. He's caught passes. I believe he had, what, like a 12-target game earlier this year. 
this profiles is a game where maybe they have to throw the ball more. They're dumping off to McNichols. Uh, maybe Ramsey's locking down A.J. Brown. They need the check down. So um, I like McNichols this week. I think he's a relatively safe, you know, RB2 flex type player. I think he'll give you a little bit of PPR floor. Uh, Peterson, it's hard to tell. I mean, it's it always feels like a crapshoot on these players their first week on a on a team on the short week. But I'd imagine he's relatively up to speed. It's just, you, you know, you're not going to get any passing game work. You're hoping for a touchdown. So he's a touchdown dependent uh, flex play for me. I would definitely try to find other people to start RB2. Rest of season, you know, I could see Peterson getting into a workload. Uh, but it, again, with no uh, pass catching ability and how many touchdowns is he going to score? I just don't know what the upside is for Peterson. So McNichols would be the highest ceiling option, but I think Peterson's going to soak up a bunch of this work. Yeah, I just want to say on the on the McNichols thing, the 12 target game that he had was their game against the Jets where both AJ Brown and Julio Jones missed the game. Um, and so their their high guys for targets were Josh Reynolds, uh, Nick Westbrook and and Jeremy McNichols. So uh, you know, kind of following a, a similar, you know, AJ Brown's there, Julio Jones there, obviously, so that they're going to get a lot of the targets. But, um, you know, this is what 30, 30 touches per game uh, yeah. that that the Titans are going to have to make up. And and I think, you know, they've shown a willingness to go to McNichols uh, to fill those the those voids. Yeah. And I mean, kind of like I mentioned earlier, this is going to be a huge experiment here. I mean, Henry was such a massive part of this offense. You take him out. Do they still run play action a lot? Does that still work? That's how they got A.J. Brown open over the middle a lot. Like, this could just completely tank this entire offense. Or, hey, maybe running backs don't matter. There's obviously not as good without Henry, but they can keep this thing rolling. It's, it's going to be quite an experiment here. I'm very interested to see how it goes. I do think A.J. Brown survives this, and he's going to get a ton of volume. But there is a chance this offense just falls apart without Henry. Yeah, I mean, Mike Rabel doesn't think that running backs matter for setting up play action. He was said that in a press conference today, or basically said that. So we'll see how it goes. As for McNichols versus Peterson, I largely agree. I have McNichols at RB24 this week and Peterson down at RB38. I mean, like with Peterson, I so, all right, I'll clue you guys in. I did my own research, just like Aaron Rodgers. I typed into Google. And Adrian Peterson is 36 years old. I don't see more than eight to 10 carries a game for him, probably directly into the line of scrimmage, like just right into the crowd, not breaking off any big runs, not getting any targets in the passing game. There it's just, there's no ceiling here. Like I I don't understand the enthusiasm that is apparently here in the most added numbers. Yeah, I think I think it, it's it's touchdown uh, uh, hope is that people are hoping that in, in those 10 carries he's going to get per game. And by the way, last year in uh, in Detroit, uh, Peterson averaged uh, I can do quick math in my head like 10. He averaged like 10 carries per game, but he did have four games above 15 attempts, actually five games above 14 attempts last year in Detroit. So I think what people are hoping for is, you know, Jeremy McNichols is very clearly not a between the tackles runner. Uh, they did sign Deontay Foreman. I don't think Deontay Foreman really profiles as this type of, of running back either. Um, although he is on the larger side. So it's, I don't know. It's possible. Uh, but I think what people are hoping for is in those 12 carries he gets per game, two of them, he, you know, kind of falls into the end zone from three yards out kind of a situation. I think that's I mean, the hope. Yeah. I mean, maybe he can be James Connor, but on the Titans, I don't think that's as attractive. So. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I really don't see it with him. I, I prioritize McNichols. 
That's hilarious because I was literally going to say, yeah, so we're hoping for James Conner, and that's not even a top 30 PPR running back. So that's uh, that's that's pretty funny that you brought up Conner. That's exactly where I was going there. All right. Well, my $45 of fab says maybe Peterson will be half decent. <laughs> that wasn't a standard league, I will say. It was a standard league that I got Peterson. Oh, yeah. In, so. There you go. Yeah, you know, I again, James Conner is very valuable in those leagues. OK, uh, I, am, I am fascinated to see Adrian Peterson, if he gets a massive workload, how he looks and what comes of this. So I'm very interested against the Rams this week, though. Uh, not a great matchup. Yeah, not not a great matchup. Uh, the, the Von Miller, uh, uh, I was going to say led Rams. He doesn't lead them. But, you know, the, the now Jeez. Von Miller, uh, the new team for, for Von Miller. There's a better way I could have said that for sure, but I'm just going to go with it. Uh, all right. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of players on this podcast. We've already talked about a lot of players. We're not going to talk about everyone, though. Um, so head on over to QBList.com and check out the Sit Start article that comes out Thursday mornings um, where we go over every single game, every single player. You'll get more takes on guys like Adrian Peterson and Jeremy McNichols and uh, everyone else that we've talked about already. Uh, And you can also on our website, check out Eric's rankings. uh, So you can see exactly where he has these players ranked. Uh, And maybe if you have a tough decision that we don't help solve uh, on this podcast, you can use uh, Eric's rankings to help you kind of break some of those ties. Um, we're uh, we're gonna skip the players that you're surprisingly sitting and starting because I feel like we've talked about a lot of these guys already, and we're going to talk about more players as we get to the the position sections. Um, we spent, you know, there's a lot of news going on, so we want to make sure that we are, um, you know, getting all that stuff in. So we're we're gonna jump ahead to news and notes part two, uh, the slightly less big news, and we're gonna start with Kyler Murray because you know. That's that's you know not as big news as earlier. Uh, Kyler Murray apparently doesn't need to practice in order to be ready to play. Um, head coach Cliff Kingsbury did note he will be a game time decision, and as long as he's getting in the mental reps, that's what Kingsbury is is really wanting. So I don't I don't know if you had Murray like sitting behind the line of scrimmage, just like you know mentalist style, putting his hands onto his head and just like envisioning what was happening on the field. But uh, it, you know, do you guys expect Murray to play? Um, and if he doesn't and Colt McCoy is the starter, what does that mean for the rest of the Cardinals skill players? Yeah. I mean, before we get to McCoy, I would expect Murray to play. I do think though, this could be a sell high moment if people aren't too worried about the injury on Kyler Murray. Cause we saw what happened last year when he got hurt and stopped running. He was not nearly as good of a fantasy quarterback and we've already seen a little bit of it this year. So think about selling high on Murray if someone wants him, but if McCoy's the quarterback here, I mean, other than Hopkins, and I guess you could talk yourself into the running backs, but uh, it's a pretty big disaster here in Arizona without Kyler Murray. I, I don't think Cliff Kingsbury made all those big strides this offseason. I think it's just been Murray playing really well. So I'm avoiding as much of this offense as I can if it's Colt McCoy. Yeah, I largely agree. Just basically any time a backup quarterback comes in, I remain interested in the primary option because they'll be the first read and they're still going to get the opportunity and I become less interested in the secondary option. So if it's Colt McCoy, we're not interested in Christian Kirk. We're not interested in Ron Moore, and we're probably not interested in Chase Edmonds, but hopefully Murray can play. Okay. Uh, And then uh, AJ Green was placed on the COVID list. Uh, He's probably going to miss this weekend's games. Um, Obviously, uh, we've already mentioned if if McCoy is playing, we're not interested. But let's say if Kyler Murray is playing, and by the way, no more uh, Cardinals receivers end up on the COVID reserve list. um, How excited are you to play Christian Kirk, um, Rondale Moore? Uh, Does that affect Zach Ertz at all? Um, Just kind of where are you on these guys with Green out now? Yeah, I mean, we also have 
the, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who, you know, reaggravated his hamstring injury last week, and he's at risk for that this week. So it definitely bumps them up. Uh, I've got Kirk all the way up to wide receiver 28 now. And uh, Rondale Moore moves up. I mean, he's going to get – he would be a big beneficiary because he gets limited snaps behind all these players. So I'm definitely more interested in both of them. I have more at 41 right now, but he may need to get raised a little higher. So, yes, I'm interested in both of them. And Ertz is in my starting tight end range for sure. I've got him at tight end 10. So, um, yeah, between Hopkins being limited possibly and A.J. Green, it's, it's pretty big. So start your Cardinals as long as Kyler Murray's playing. Yeah, I'm within a couple spots of all of those rankings that Eric just mentioned. I'll I'll just say that I'm really interested to see this offense minus AJ Green because I feel like we've been complaining about him all year for soaking up all these like empty snaps and targets out on the outside. So it could be cool to see what Rondale Moore could do with like a 60 to 70% snap share, but we'll see what happens if Kyler Murray's not playing, then obviously that puts a damper on all of it. Yeah, this is definitely a team where you kind of need to be if you have Kirk or Ertz or Edmonds or any of these guys, you need to, you know, set uh some news alerts up for Kyler Murray, for uh DeAndre Hopkins. Um maybe just put the Cardinals in general too. Just <laughs> you never know what's going to happen if there's going to be a, a a lot of times with these COVID things, um more than just the one player is is affected. So uh, just keep a close eye on, on what happens with these Cardinals over the next few days. Um, speaking of COVID reserve list, Saquon Barkley was placed on the COVID list. Uh, it's So we're probably not going to see him until week 11 uh, as the Giants have a bye in week 10. Uh, we haven't seen Barkley since week five uh, when he left after uh, just two uh, rush attempts. So I, I don't know if there's any news here other than you can play Devontae Booker, who's been pretty good um, in Barkley's absence. Uh, I don't I don't know if you can do anything with Barkley besides throw him in an IR and just pray uh, that he can come back and be Saquon Barkley. But pretty frustrating to be dealing with this. Um, it's also every Giants receiver is currently dealing with something. Uh, Kenny Galladay did not practice. He's still dealing with the knee injury that has been plaguing him all season long. Uh, Kadarius Tony was limited uh, with the thumb injury that he dealt with on Monday. Now uh, he came back in the game on Monday. And so I expect him to play this weekend, but something to keep in mind. And then Sterling Shepard is expected to miss some time with a quad strain. Uh, the, like I mentioned, the Giants are on bye next week. So we definitely won't see Shepard until week 11 at the earliest. I, what, what do you make of the Giants? Just all of it. <laughs> I, I think Shepard is the key, like whether he's playing or whether he's not playing, because uh, he is soaking up a massive target share. I mean, he only played 38% of the snaps last week and had 21% target share. So when he is out, there's a huge opportunity. And I think that's why Kadarius Tony is really interesting this week. I know it's hard to trust him. He's already left all these games with injury. But if Shepard's out, there's a huge opportunity. And more so than if Galladay's back in there. I, like, I, I'm more worried about uh, Shepard stealing work from Tony than Galladay. So I'm pretty interested in Kadarius Tony. Kenny Galladay's just wait and see. We got to see him on the field first. And I think I'd probably give him a game before I started him. So uh, Tony, all eyes on Tony and the rest of this past catching group. It's kind of, you know, one week it's Slayton, one week it's Colin Johnson. Uh, you know, you never know with the secondary guys. Yeah, I agree. Shepard is the one that will command the target share, whether it, or if he's on the field um, and everything else kind of works out from there. Um, I've just kind of given up trying to rank the Giants every week. We never have <laughs> enough information on Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever we start preparing for this podcast. So any take I give you is probably going to be completely different by Sunday. <laughs> As for Saquon Barkley, uh, 
I mean, maybe he is less likely to re-aggravate his ankle injury coming back now if he gets a couple extra weeks of rest. That sounds like a fun narrative we can run with. So <laughs> that that's what I'll go with. All right. Uh, James Robinson did not practice with the heel injury that he suffered during week eight. Um, so definitely keep a close eye on this because uh, when he first came out, there was a huge concern that it was going to be a serious injury. Now, while it seems like he did avoid said serious injury, it doesn't mean that, you know, Oh, everything's fine and dandy and he's going to be good to go uh, for week nine. So uh, let me just ask if James Robinson plays, are we playing him? Yeah, definitely. If he doesn't play, are we playing Carlos Hyde? Yeah, it's a little more borderline. I got him RB 27. That puts him in like the Boston Scott, Mike Davis, Jeremy McNichols. Oh, yeah, range, those are so. some exciting names there. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, like what, about, what about you? Robinson, Hyde, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, pretty much the same take. If Robinson's playing, you're playing him. He's just been so good. Uh, Hyde, I'm probably a little lower on. I, I have him like RB32-ish if Robinson doesn't play. like I, I'd rather play guys like David Johnson and Boston Scott, like Eric mentioned. So I am all kind of all set with the Jaguars offense. I, like, I'm not <clears throat> rushing to plug in players that have roles here, so... All right. Uh, Taysom Hill came out of the concussion protocol on Wednesday and practiced. Um, this is only interesting because Jameis Winston is unfortunately out for the year with a torn ACL. Do we, let me just, we don't know if Hill's the starter yet. Uh, it could be uh, with Trevor Simeon, I think is the other uh, quarterback there in new Orleans um, who could be the starter. If we'll just ask this question, if Taysom Hill is named the starter, uh, is he interesting? Like he was last year's kind of like a streamable, quarterback um is he someone that you're you're willing to take a shot on he he is this first week back though i mean he had a pretty serious concussion he missed some time i would be a little hesitant this week just because he's basically like a running back i mean uh so i'd be a little worried about that i still have him ranked qb 16 if he plays this week against atlanta he was really good last year when he played from a fantasy perspective so it's a good matchup i just worry about the concussion and his health but other than that yeah, he's a good fantasy quarterback. I know he doesn't have Michael Thomas this year. It's a little bit different of a team, but uh, he runs so much that I'd, I'd be interested if you have him quarterback trouble. Yeah, he's someone you can definitely pick up. I agree with Eric. I would not be starting him this week. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter wanting to start him this week against the Falcons. I get it. It's juicy, but we really need to see what this offense is going to look like. It's probably going to be completely different. I will say that if Taysom Hill's a starter for the rest of the year, it kills pretty much any prayer of any other skill position player other than Camara being relevant on the saints. Not that that dream was really alive much at all to begin with, but I don't think that Taysom Hill is the secret sauce for Marquez Calloway. If that's what you were hoping. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, Taysom Hill didn't make anyone else relevant. He, in fact, he actually took away quite a bit of relevancy last year from people like Alvin Kamara, but uh, it, it just, you know, he was someone that we were very excited to start um, first at tight end. Uh, and then, uh, and then even after that, he was still startable at quarterback for a handful of weeks. So um, just has to be a question, especially if you're a team that um, is suffering at quarterback. Uh, you know, if you've got Aaron Rodgers, if you have Kyler Murray, um, some of these other guys that you're concerned may not play this week. So uh, just something, something to keep in mind. Um, Julio Jones practiced on a Wednesday. Thought that was noteworthy. That never happens. Uh, Darren Waller practiced, uh, as well did uh, Josh Jacobs. Um, they're both coming back from injuries. 
Um, so that's definitely um, promising. I assume if Darren Waller is healthy, you're playing him. Um, yeah, you guys both have him ranked in your top three, so that's an easy yes. Uh, Sam Darnold and Christian McCaffrey both practiced. Um, pr- probably equally interesting from a fantasy perspective. Uh, those guys are about ranked probably about the same in your overall rankings. Uh, both were, quote, extremely limited. Uh, that's not like a thing that you can put on the injury report. That's, that's what the head coach said about their involvement. Uh, do you expect McCaffrey to play? Um, and what does this mean? It, does Darnold or PJ Walker under center matter for the rest of the Panthers? I would think they still wait on McCaffrey. If he's, it seems like you would want a full week of practice with him at relative full strength before you start him. I don't, they don't seem like they're going anywhere to me personally. So I don't know why you would rush him back. But if you have McCaffrey, you're playing him if he plays. You're, you're, you're committed to McCaffrey for the season, no matter what what he does or how he looks, you're playing him. So um, as far as the quarterback, like, I don't know. Like, is P.J. Walker better? Like, no, but Darnold's looked so bad that I don't know how much worse it can get. So, I mean, because D.J. Moore has really fallen off lately, and he's still getting a big target share. It's just not working with Darnold. So it, it's almost at the point where I wouldn't mind seeing a different quarterback trying it out, but – there is a good chance the Walker is worse than Darnold. So maybe, maybe I shouldn't uh, wish for something like that because it could get worse for more, but it's just, it, it's been bad. And I, I wouldn't mind seeing the change personally. Yeah, it should be interesting to see. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a good thing because it backup quarterbacks, you aren't going to get excited, but again, DJ Moore is the primary target. He's the first read on most of these plays. Maybe he'll somehow have an even larger target share with PJ Walker than with Sam Darnold. So that's something to maybe hold on to. You know what, you know what I'm hearing is, you know, when there's a change in quarterback, there could be, there's always possibility of change in target share. So Robbie Anderson, get him back on your <laughs> roster. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Uh, Dak Prescott practice on Wednesday after missing Sunday's game. Um, it sounds like he's going to start this weekend. Um, there was a, it was like cautious optimism this time last week, whereas this time it seemed more like full blown optimism. So Prescott probably good to go. Uh, Latavius Murray did not practice. Uh, do, do any faith in any of the Ravens running backs? No, especially with Murray out. He was my favorite. So I'm, I'm avoiding them all. Yeah, I agree. I don't have any of them in the startable range. All right. Uh, Noah Fant was placed on the COVID reserve list. What, uh, you know, I know how you guys feel about rostering two tight ends. What do you do uh, with Noah Fant? Is Noah Fant good enough to keep if you don't have any IR spots? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, he's talented. He's had some big games. He's got upside. So I would want to, it really depends on your options on waivers. I would say if you're picking up someone like, you know, Mo Alley Cox, I, I might hang on to Noah Fant, but if you can get a decent player out there, I doubt Zach Ertz is available in many leagues, but um, you know, if someone happens to be out there, I'd cut him. but you're, you're probably going to have to stash him for a week, especially since we know he's probably back next week. Yeah, it's true. It's not, not a long-term injury. These things usually knock players out for, for one week. Um, Fan is the tight end seven so far this year in PPR. Um, and I, you know, he's two, he's one, one yard, uh, sorry, one 10 yard reception away from being a uh, wider uh, tight end five. So, um, they're all pretty bunched together uh, there. Um, yeah, I mean, the only tight ends that are semi-available that, you know, you might consider dropping fan for would be like maybe Dawson Knox at 72%, but we don't even know if Knox is playing this week. So uh, that that doesn't really help you uh, in that in that circumstance because they might not either of them play. So, uh, all right, uh, let's talk real quick. Uh, if you are in a bind and you need to stream someone, Ryan Heath has your streamers. Ryan, who are you streaming this week at quarterback, tight end, and defense? 
All right. So at quarterback, we are going back to the well from a couple weeks ago. We're going with Tua Tagovailoa once again. I mean, his it seems like his team and his coach hate him, but we love him in fantasy football and positive matchups. So he's only rostered in 45% of leagues. The Dolphins are actually implied 26 points against the Houston Texans this week. Uh, Houston has been a top 10 matchup as far as fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks this year. Devontae Parker is back and he's playing well. And Tua has been averaging almost four rush attempts per game this year. So I don't really think you can go wrong with him here. I've got him ranked at QB 10, which might be a little aggressive, but I just really like this spot for him. And I've been personally pretty impressed with how Tua's played considering what's going on around him. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I don't know. He's gotten a lot of hate and I know he's not Herbert or Burrow, but he's been okay lately. And this is a nice matchup. I have him QB 12. So I'm right on board with Tua with you. All right. So moving on to tight end, I went with the fun option this week. I have Pat Fryermuth. He's rostered in 25% of leagues. So you can probably go get him. He's had seven targets in each of the last two games, uh, including three in the red zone. Obviously, it has helped that Juju Smith-Schuster has been out, as well as Eric Ebron was out last week. But Friarmuth's snap counts have been increasing even when Ebron was healthy. So it really seems like he's just kind of having this nice little mini rookie tight end breakout. Had a couple of those this year, both Pitts and himself. So the only thing I don't love about Friarmuth this week is the game total. Uh, Steelers-Bears are not implied a whole lot of points, but the Steelers are favored by nearly a touchdown. So I have him at like tight end 15 this week. I would play him over guys like Dan Arnold, Tyler Conklin that are hanging around. Um, but I wouldn't be playing him over like real options like Zach Gertz or Hunter Henry. How dare you speak about Dan Arnold like that? <laughs> Dan Arnold is my tight end 16. I mean, he's had a 16% target share in the last three games. So if you can't get Fryermuth, I'm definitely interested in Arnold as well. Yeah, you, you did mention the other two tight ends that are most added um, in Yahoo this week. So Fryermuth, by the way, the number one added tight end, um, followed by Dan Arnold and Tyler Conklin. So uh, there's a good chance that one or two or all three of them are available in your league. Um, but depending on the, the type of league you play in, there's also a chance none of them are available. Um, actually, the league that I'm using to look at this, none of them are available. So uh, just something to keep in mind. If you're playing with smart people, you might have missed your shot. Yeah, if none of them were available, I'm sorry to say you are stuck with Evan Engram. So that <laughs> that sucks for you. All right, and then uh, the Giants. The Giants also feel that very same. <laughs> yeah, <way. laughs> yeah. And then finally at defense, I have Miami against Houston. Uh, they're only rostered in 37% of leagues. Houston is top 10 in sacks allowed this year. The Dolphins are favored by a touchdown at home. The Texans are only implied 20 points against them. It seems pretty obvious to me that Miami's a decent option. They haven't performed amazingly in easy matchups this year, but it, the streamer pool is pretty thin this week. So they kind of jump out to me as the best option. All right. Uh, and then, uh, you know, just a reminder as we get into our sit start recommendations, as well as what Ryan just recommended, the tall four 12 team PBR leagues. Uh, just remember that uh, if you feel like, you know, oh, my goodness, the, these guys that they're recommending they're like, I wish I could have them on my roster. Uh, and you look and you're in a 22 team league and, you know, you know maybe, you know, maybe you should play in some easier leagues. Uh, it's a lot of teams <laughs> to be to have in your league. Uh, Thursday night football this week is a, a banger. We're all so excited for Thursday night football. 
last week it was Cardinals Packers. That was cool. This week it's New York Jets and Indianapolis Colts. So uh, fun. Uh, Zach Wilson won't start again. He is out uh, already confirmed for week nine. So Mike White is going to be the starting quarterback for the second week in a row. Um, And Corey Davis is doubtful. He's dealing with a hip injury. It's a short week. He didn't practice on Tuesday. So with White under center, with uh, Davis out, what if anyone are you uh, interested in starting here in New York? Yeah, so I talked about this one quite a bit on the What We Saw podcast. I mean, Mike White, he looked great. Uh, there were no deep balls, though. This was a short passing game. He just peppered these targets over and over. And, I mean, that sets up pretty well for Jameson Crowder. So I've got a wide receiver 37. It's not exciting. I, I don't completely trust him. But, I mean, he's he's put together some pretty solid games for PPR purposes. So you can play Crowder. Uh, the problem with Elijah Moore is he was, I think, fourth on the team in wide receiver snaps last week. He put up some nice production. But – He's still in a rotation behind a few other starters, even with, you know, the injury to Corey Davis. So I would feel better about more. And I mean, I'm sorry, I'd be, feel better about Crowder. And I, I do think you can get a nice wide receiver three week out of him because White looked good. We'll see how much the Colts adjust here. I, I think they will adjust and he could have problems. But if it looks anything like last week, he'll be a good play. Yeah, Crowder's kind of interesting here. I'm a bit lower than you are, Eric. I have him down at wide receiver 46, but it's all kind of fluid in this area. I could understand why you would want to flex him. I'll say that I think the New York Jet that I'm most interested in playing is definitely Michael Carter. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have him ranked at RB15. He's been the guy that's been vacuuming up all of these short checkdowns from Mike White. I mean, Uh, Carter has actually had over a 70% snap share the last two weeks, and he's had 23 targets in that time span. I think he's Chase Edmonds on the Jets now for the rest of the season. That seems to be the type of usage he's getting, maybe even being targeted a little more heavily than Edmonds. So I'll be ranking him accordingly, and I guess you're pretty happy to have him on your roster now. Yeah, and it's really more than just last week. I mean, he's been, you know, wide receiver 33 or higher in you know, six weeks this year. So he's had some consistency, seeing some targets and I, I, it's unsustainable how much uh, Mike White threw to running backs last week. It was insane, but he is checking down running backs a lot. And I I would expect it to continue here. He has a running back 33 or higher uh, for Michael Carter. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. You said wide receiver 33. Uh, He's catching a lot of passes. Okay. That would be more impressive, honestly, if, 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 because I feel like wide receiver 33 is probably a higher bar than running back 33 uh, as far as PPR leagues go. Uh, Ryan, you were actually, by the way, you were the low man on Michael Carter between uh, you, Eric and fantasy pros expert consensus ranking. So you hate the guy. Uh, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. uh, Pumping him up so much. Um, You have him all the way down at 15, whereas Eric has him at 12. So got to, got to go with the times, Ryan. Uh, but yeah, Michael Carter, definitely huge beneficiary here. Um, de- a, a must start against Indianapolis. Um, obvious must start on the other side of the ball too, Jonathan Taylor. So if you've got one of the two main running backs in this game, you're definitely starting them. Um, you know, it's always interesting on, on Thursday night football because the, the decisions you have to make, um, it's a little bit tougher. I don't know. You guys mentioned Jamison Crowder being someone who, who might be worth starting. First of all, if you do start and put him in a wide receiver spot, not a flex spot, that's a strategy thing. You're welcome. Um, I, I know we all use our flex spot to designate who is our worst offensive player, but uh, you're going to, you want to put him in your wide receiver spot uh, for Indianapolis. Uh, you know, Quentin Nelson uh, did not practice on Tuesday. Um, he, his status is very much in the air. I don't think it matters uh, who the O linemen are in, in Indianapolis for Jonathan Taylor. Um, but it might matter for Carson Wentz, who was a popular streamer pick last week, uh, might still be on your roster. You might still need to stream a quarterback. Um, 
are you interested in starting Carson Wentz in a game where the Colts may not need to score a ton of points? Um, he may not have his best O lineman uh, there to protect him. It's not like Wentz is a mobile quarterback who's going to, you know, extend plays. Uh, and, and how does this make you feel about Wentz and uh, you know any of the other receivers there in Indianapolis? Yeah, I still have Wentz as a streamer, so I just I think the touchdown potential is too good here. I mean, the Bengals put up. 31, I think, last week, and they were off the field a lot. The Jets controlled the ball. So, um, th- yeah, I got Carson Wentz QB 11, feeling good about him. And Michael Pittman is is balling out right now, so I'm definitely starting Pittman. Again, too much touchdown potential. So uh, I've got Pittman way up in the – I got him a wide receiver 12 this week. I just I, – I think I'm really impressed by the way he's playing. He's getting a big target share. So, yeah, I'm starting them. They're going to score points against the Jets. It's just a matter of how many points the Jets score, I guess. Yeah, I mostly agree. I'm just starting Pittman. Wentz, I also have ranked as a streamer. He's my QB 13. The only concern is the Colts just run the ball like 40 times this game. I think that's at least possible. And in that case, Wentz wouldn't pay off. But I think he's better than some guys that might be out there. Okay, so this Thursday night, you're going to fire up Jonathan Taylor and Michael Carter. You're going to play Michael Pittman. And uh, if you're in a bind uh, at quarterback and Carson Wentz is the best quarterback you have in your roster, feel good about putting him out there. Um, Naeem Hines, do we start Naeem Hines on a Thursday night game, uh, you know, in a game where the Colts may not be throwing it a bunch? I mean, how do you feel about Hines this week? He's just been impossible to predict. So, no, I'm not going to be starting him. I mean, last week it was just 31% of the snaps and, I mean, he's a desperation play. There's just no telling the weeks that he goes off. So I'll, I'll be passing on Hines. Yeah, you're only playing Hines if you have no other real options. He's my RB35. Okay. Um, all right, let's move on to – let's talk about running backs this week. Um, well, let's start with the most added list. We've already talked about two of them, and that's uh, Jeremy McNichols and Adrian Peterson. Uh, actually, we also talked about Carlos Hyde as well. So let's start with the Philadelphia backfield, uh, Boston Scott and Jordan Howard also uh, being added in a lot of leagues. Um, Kenneth Gainwell did not get the kind of workload that we were kind of uh, hoping to see. Now, the Eagles had the, not the typical game for them, uh, and, and the Lions, like, rolled over. Uh, they don't usually do that. So what do you make of this 44-6 to six win, uh, and, and does it spell anything remotely um, – trackable for for this week you know the, in terms of can you play scott can you play gainwell can you play jordan howard <laughs> i think you can play scott i mean he led the snaps last week with 44 percent, and he lost a lot to garbage time and you know i mean he's he might get some passes you know jordan howard isn't getting any so at least scott's got a little bit of both of work workload and volume in the passing game Gainwell, I would like to think he bounces back, but we just we can't start him this week. So I've got Boston Scott running back 26 again, right in that James Conner, McNichols, Carlos Hyde range, and the rest are pretty low for me. Howard's uh, running back 36, and I'm just not that interested in starting anyone other than Boston Scott. And even Boston Scott, I think he's going to be pretty touchdown dependent here. But against the Chargers, I mean, they are one of the worst run defenses in the league. Actually, probably the worst. They're they're worst in yards per attempt and yards. So this is a good matchup against the Chargers if they can just hang in there. Yeah, I agree. I do think there's a lot of upside for somebody on this Eagles running game. I just don't have a lot of confidence in who it is. I also have Scott ranked the highest. I mean, he was the one that was involved the earliest and the most often, but 
it could easily just be Jordan Howard coming in on the goal line twice and taking away all of Scott's fantasy production. So tread carefully, but if you are in a bind, I think you can start Boston Scott. Okay. And then the fourth most added running back was Derek Gore, who came out of nowhere to split the carries with Daryl Williams in the backfield uh, in Kansas city. Um, Williams had 13 carries for 49 yards and Gore 11 carries uh, for 48 yards and a touchdown. Now he didn't get any work in the receiving game. So Williams, you know, far outpaced him uh, as he added, you know, six receptions for 61 yards. Uh, But is this a situation to monitor? You know, should we be adding Derek Gore and should we be starting him? Uh, you know, this is a game where the, the Chiefs might blow out the Packers now with Rodgers out. Um, does that make Gore any more interesting to you? I wanted to. He looked pretty good. It was a fun story. Um, watching him, I was like, oh, who's this Derek Gore guy? And you, you look at his player profiler page, and it's pretty bad. He, he's, his athletic measurables are not good. And even just looking at the snap share, I mean, Daryl Williams had uh, 64% of the snaps. Gore had just 20 uh, Jarek McKinnon, 16% was in on all the third downs. So Darrell Williams is getting most of the work. McKinnon's getting the pass catching. Well, he didn't catch any passes, but he's playing the third down role. Uh, so Gore's just kind of rotating every other series from time to time. So he's a running back 40 for me this week. Uh, he's this, uh, this running game isn't good enough to handcuff, but he's, he's a handcuff. That's about it for me. Yeah, I largely agree. I I just want to share that when I was sitting on the couch watching this game, my buddy next to me is like, hey, is does that say Gore on his jersey? Is is Frank Gore on the Chiefs right now? He was so convinced, and I was for a second too, that it was the Frank Gore that was had somehow signed with the Chiefs without us realizing. So just wanted to share that, but no, don't you don't need to add Derek Gore or start him. I feel like probably one of the most Googled questions on Monday was uh Derek Gore related Frank Gore. That's, <laughs> that probably was very, very highly searched. I was not one of them. I have no idea. I assume they're not because if they were, we would have heard about it 19,000 times during the broadcast. Uh, no, so they're not, but I think Frank Gore has a son in college right now playing running back. I, I could be wrong. I'm not yeah, a college I, football expert. I think I remember they Gore needed to hold Frank Gore needed to hold out to 2023 was <laughs> when he would be able to play with his, uh, his son. So uh, best of luck, Frank Gore. Hopefully a team signs you um, two years from now uh okay running back just kind of quickly going through there's a lot of players you don't need to ask the question of should i start this guy um is there anyone that you think would surprise people uh that you have them ranked in the definitely start this guy don't even question it why are you even asking me this question on twitter reddit in our discord uh anyone that's up there that, that you wouldn't expect to be up there I think we've touched on a decent amount of them. Uh, the Jeremy McNichols is the Boston Scots. They're kind of right on the fringe here. Carlos Hyde. So I, I think we've touched on most of the must starts. Um, I, I would say just as we keep going, someone like Miles Gaskin just keeps looking better and better. Just comparison. I mean, without Malcolm Brown around, he'll catch some passes. They're playing Houston. Uh, he's a pretty solid start at RB 22. But no, I think we've talked about most of the borderline ones that I would feel comfortable starting. Yeah, Gaskin is who I was going to say, but obviously this is a dream matchup against the Texans for him, so I think he's a solid start. He's my RB23. Other than that, I think we've mostly covered it. Okay, um, some names that uh, we might get questions on that we're definitely starting. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, Khalil Herbert, uh, Damian Harris, Chuba Hubbard if, if McCaffrey doesn't go. Um, 
and uh, and Zach Moss. But, you know, some of those guys may not be as questionable as I think they are. Um, Josh Jacobs and uh, Daryl Williams, by the way, you guys both still have in the top 15 uh, at running back, whereas uh, expert consensus is a little bit lower on those guys, uh, more mid-20s for them. Um, let's just real quick uh, on some of the players that people might be having bigger question marks on. Just let me know, would, are you more inclined to start or sit the following players? Uh, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. I would like to sit them against the Cowboys. I just don't trust them to keep up, but I do have Gordon at 23, so he's he's startable. Yeah, they're my RB25 and RB26 this week, so it, if you're hurting, you start them. Hopefully, you don't have to. Uh, Devin Singletary? Yeah, I've got him pretty low, running back 31. The, the Jaguars actually aren't as bad against the run as you would think, which is kind of wild. Uh, third fewest yards per attempt so far. Now they are 14th in yards because they've, you know, they, they're behind and teams run on them. So it's still a good matchup. But I mean, if we're not going to get a touchdown here from Singletary, like, what are we hoping for here? He's only got seven touchdowns across 455 career touches, uh, just one touchdown this year, only 39 receiving yards this year. So I just don't really know what we're chasing here with Singletary. Yeah, I agree. Singletary just gets these low calorie touches between the 20s, doesn't really get all that involved in the passing game. So I've got him RB33. I have him around there pretty much every week. I don't think it changes just because they're playing the Jaguars. All right. Uh, Mike Davis, uh, especially with, you know, as we, we mentioned this at the top, but just uh, are you inclined to start Davis this week against the Saints? No, there are some matchups where I think we can going forward, but not the Saints. Uh, Saints have allowed the fewest yards per attempt and second fewest yards on the year. So they're they're one of the top five run defenses for sure. And I think third fewest points to opposing fantasy running backs as well. Yeah, that sounds right. So no, they're they're a brutal matchup. Yeah, I agree. He's my RB34. Please don't start him. I mean, Cordero Patterson has just looked so much better since week one. Like I, I want, I want to say I called it in week one. I, I was, <laughs> I was on Twitter saying Mike Davis is getting outplayed by Cordero Patterson before anybody was talking about adding Cordero Patterson. So there you go. It, that that's how it goes. It, maybe don't draft running backs that are 28 years old and just got paid for the first time in fantasy football in the top six rounds. Uh, all right. And then uh, let's go uh, a round of backup running backs that are involved on their, in their teams uh, game plan, Tony Pollard, uh, Dearness Johnson and AJ Dillon. Yeah. So I like Pollard the most. I don't have it right in front of me, but I think he's in like the top 10 at breakaway uh, breakaway runs this year. So Pollard can at least break some 20 plus yard runs. So there's a little bit of uh, upside there with Pollard. Um, then I have Dearness Johnson. He does have a decent role, but the Bengals have actually been pretty good against the run as well. Uh, they are fourth fewest yards per attempt, seventh fewest yards. So not really that great of a matchup and the offense is struggling. And then AJ Dillon, he's, he's way down there at RB 42 for me, as much as I love the talent and I want it to happen. It's just, there's just not enough consistency there week to week for me. Yeah, I'm actually the highest of those on Dearness Johnson. He's my RB28. He did lead the backfield in targets last week. I mean, it seems like the Browns don't really want to give a receiving role to Nick Chubb, like no ma- kind of no matter what. So especially with Odell not playing now, that opens up even more targets. I think it's possible that Dearness Johnson is kind of like 70% of Kareem Hunt for the next few weeks. So I've got him in like the high twenties, but pretty much agreed on both Pollard and Dylan. 
All right. And then last one, just any, anyone in Houston, any running back? Um, no, I mean, I wish I could trust David Johnson, but he barely played last week. I know you mentioned him, Ryan. Do you, you have more hope for David Johnson than I do? It's sort of just by default. Like I feel <laughs> like I should have hope for a Houston running back, but he, I mean, he's my RB 30. I don't really want you to play him this week. Like I played James Connor over him. If that gives you an idea. So. All right, let's move on to wide receiver. Uh, we'll start with the most added list. Um, a lot of interesting names on here. A uh, lot of, I feel like more like high, you know, this this list every week is sometimes it's like guys that we're stashing, guys that we're interested in, um, but as more of a long-term play. And yet I feel like every single one of these players is someone I, I'd be interested in firing up right away um, for the most part. Let me know if you guys feel differently about any of the following players being startable this week. Uh, Devontae Parker, Hunter Renfro, Van Jefferson, Brian Edwards, Cole Beasley, Elijah Moore, uh, Jamal Agnew. Don't start Jamal Agnew this week. <laughs> we, we were debating whether to put him above LaVisca Chenault, though, uh, before the show. So um, he's he, he has a little bit of value. But uh, now I think the main one I'd push back on would be Brian Edwards. I'm not quite ready to start him. Uh, but the rest of them, I mean, I've been in on Van Jefferson forever. He's playing a ton of snaps. He's not locked in as an every week like safe play, but he's got a lot of upside in that offense. So uh, I really like the Van Jefferson ad. I, I, good things are ahead, and if anyone ever got hurt, he would just blow up. Yeah, uh, not starting Brian Edwards, unfortunately. I had I actually wrote him down as my surprising sit, even though we didn't do those <laughs> this week. Um, just in case you needed to be told not to start Brian Edwards. Um, uh, same with Elijah Moore. Kind of, we talked about him earlier. It's just hard to trust him because he just hasn't been getting the snap share. Um, Jamal Agnew is my wide receiver forty-one. I just <laughs> wanted to just sneak him right into the bottom of my like desperation flex tier. I he's had a nearly a twenty percent target share over the last three weeks, and that leads the team. So I think you could get away with it. I'll put it, I'll put it that way. I, I think he's Tim Patrick, basically. Like, I, I think if you really need a wide receiver three or a flex, you can talk yourself into Jamal Agnew. Uh, all right. Uh, that is not the name on that list that I expected to be someone we could talk ourselves into, but, uh, yeah, I guess Brian Edwards, definitely. That's the, the one that's definitely a speculation play. Uh, obviously, uh, the Raiders have had some personnel changes, uh, over the past few days, um, as Henry Ruggs just, yeah, we don't need to get into it, but, uh, just keep an eye on, on what happens with the Raiders receiving, uh, now that, um, Ruggs is no longer a Las Vegas Raider. Um, uh, Renfro is someone I'm definitely interested in. Uh, all right, let's, um, wide receivers again, a lot of the top guys, the top guys for a reason, don't even think about it. Um, even the ones that there's a question mark on, on playing them like a Devonte Adams with Aaron Rodgers out, um, or DJ Moore with who knows what's happening in the quarterback uh, spot there in, in Carolina, both of you guys are still, you know, saying, Hey, they're, they're start worthy. Um, Let's do a few uh, rankings disputes, though, for players that are definitely more on the fringes, um, players that people might be asking questions on. Should I start this guy this week? Um, before we get into uh, the the big disputes that we have planned, I, I want to throw you guys a curveball right off the bat um, and just ask you to talk about uh, the Denver situation. Now that Jerry Judy um, is going to be like fully ramped, he's you know uh, played a game, got a game under his belt. Uh, do you, uh, are you concerned about what his involvement might mean for Cortland Sutton? How are you ranking Judy and Sutton uh, at wide receiver? 
Yeah, so I had the the fortune of watching Washington and Denver play last week. It was a pretty miserable game. I covered it for what we saw, but uh, I am worried, actually. This week it may be okay because Dallas is going to force Denver to open it up, but we know how Denver wants to play. They want to play close to the vest. And, I mean, Sutton only saw four targets last week with Judy back. And Judy, I mean, he had a good game, but it was four targets. He caught all of them. But I'm worried that between the two of them, Tim Patrick, who we know is not going to go away, um, and then either Noah Fant or Albert O or both of them at tight end. There's just too much here for Teddy to get the ball to on a limited passing offense like this. So I am worried. I have Sutton wide receiver 25, Judy 27. I'm just kind of waiting for Judy's first big week to kind of leap him over Sutton. But I, I'm not as excited about Judy as I would have been maybe after that first week where he looked really good. Because I just I think Bridgewater looks pretty bad right now. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with most of that. I have them ordered the same. I'm maybe slightly more optimistic just because that game, whatever that was last week, is hopefully not going to be what happens every week going forward. But, I mean, the Broncos have been in some pretty ugly games. They've also been in some crazy shootouts where Cortland Sutton, like, breaks the air yards record. So we, we could see that potentially happen a couple more times, but... These, they do definitely cap each other's ceilings. It will be interesting to see what happens with fan out this week, but that's only a one week thing. So, yeah. All right. And then these wide receivers, uh, the two of you are kind of split on whether or not you would want to start them or not. Um, I'm going to go in the order that uh, they're ranked as far as fantasy pros, expert consensus rankings go. So, um, you know, uh, the higher, the earlier I mentioned the name, the, you know, kind of more on the startable side they are, but still there's some cause for concern. So let's start with uh, Jalen Waddle. Eric, you have him at 24. Ryan, you have him at 30. Um, exactly splitting the difference with Fantasy Pros uh, ECR of 27. So let's start, Ryan. Why uh, Why do you not want to start Jalen Waddle? So I can understand flexing him. I'm not saying to never start him, but I am just not entirely sure where the work is going to go here between Waddle and Parker. I mean, it. there should be some production to go around against the Texans. Obviously, I like Tua against him, but I'm just not entirely certain exactly how this is going to shake out week to week. I do like Waddle. He's a guy that I've been playing a lot in DFS, um, but it really seems like he just gets these weeks where it's like 11 targets for 50 yards and no touchdown, and we're just left wanting. So that's why I'm not super high on him. All right, and you mentioned Devontae Parker. I probably should just put them together as they are 27 and 29 on Fantasy Pros. And then, you know, Eric, you're the high man on both. Uh, Ryan, the low man on both. So, Eric, uh, go ahead and defend playing Waddle and Parker for me. Yeah, so they they feel pretty different roles here. Um, Parker, I actually noticed, is uh, he has 10 contested catches, according to Fantasy Data, which is the most in the league, and he's been hurt. Uh, he's only had 16 contested targets. So he's the contested catch guy downfield. Waddle is the close-to-the-line-of-scrimmage guy. Uh, and Waddle's had, like, 33 combined targets the last three weeks. Now, it's been ugly last week against Buffalo. He had 12 targets for 29 yards. That's seven PPR points. It's awful. But he's getting the work, and... Opposed to like Robbie Anderson, who we saw get a lot of work and no production. Waddle is like catching passes short to the line of scrimmage. So I just, I think the production is going to be there most weeks if he keeps getting this volume. So against Houston, uh, the Dolphins can't really run the ball that well anyway. I just, I kind of like both of these wide receivers because uh, who knows, Miami might even let Houston hang around in this game and uh, they have to put up some points. So I, I like playing both of these receivers. 
Also, talk about uh, just the fact that the Dolphins and Texans are playing each other right after the trade deadline. Like, <laughs> what? How? What a perfectly scheduled game! Uh, all right, uh, we got Jacoby Myers here. Um, you guys are nine spots apart on Jacoby Myers. Uh, sorry, six spots apart, uh, nine spots away from Fantasy Pros uh, expert consensus ranking of thirty-one. So, uh, Ryan, why are you starting Jacoby Myers against Carolina? Yeah, I mean, he's had the target share still. It's been 23% through the last three weeks. That easily leads the team. Uh, he caught a two-point conversion. Uh, <laughs> That's kind of a week. touchdown. It's ki- it's close to a touchdown. It- it's in the end zone. So maybe that's a sign of things to come. I, I do feel like people literally believe he he's incapable of catching a touchdown. So, and I think he has it in him. I'll, I'll say that I may, might be somewhere deep down inside, but I think we're going to see it one of these weeks. Okay. Uh, and then a bit more of an interesting player, uh, Devonte Smith, um, you know, Eric and, and fantasy pros have him in the mid thirties, Ryan, you've got him all the way up at 23. What are you seeing from Devonte Smith? Yeah, I mean, he still has by far the highest target share on the team. Uh, Dallas Goddard obviously led the way last week, but that that was just a really weird game script. Like, we're we're not going to see the Eagles putting up forty four points and just stomping teams every week. I, that I think that's pretty clear from what we've seen so far. So, I mean, Devontae Smith, what he does best is he gets down the field, he puts up high air yard shares, and decent amount of the time that turns into big plays and touchdowns. So that is going to happen in game scripts. Like they'll probably have against the chargers where they're likely going to be throwing most of the day. All right. And I'm going to go back to you one more time for Hunter Renfro. Um, you actually have him uh, ahead of Jalen Waddle. You have him ahead of Jacoby Myers all the way up at, at wide receiver 29. Um, so what's, what's the excitement with Hunter Renfro? Yeah, Hunter Renfro has basically been the Raiders' lead target since week two. I mean, other than that one crazy week one game where Darren Waller had like 19 targets, he has been the target leader. I mean, a 22% target share in the last two weeks. He's just a dependable option. I just think he ranks pretty well amongst these sort of like slot receiver, low average depth of target players. Obviously, as we mentioned, there was the situation with the other Raiders wide receiver this week. So they definitely play different roles, but maybe it affects how the offense runs and gives some more volume to Renfro. Yeah, I just keep going back to that uh, Raiders Chargers game where the Raiders are trying to furiously make that comeback uh, and Derek Carr gets stuck. I don't remember the, the results of the play. I just remember Carr was tunneling on Renfro and the Chargers were double teaming hunter renfro and that's what helps stop the raiders offense so Carr is very much looking at renfro um even more so than waller i think i think uh car prefers renfro to waller i think the the game plan the coaches and, and all that they they go they lean you know hey we're throw the ball to the really big athletic dude Derek. uh so it's kind of an interesting uh, little bit of tug of war there um and then eric you talked about jameson crowder already uh, but you also have Darnell Mooney, uh, ranked kind of in that same range. You have him right there with Crowder and Renfro. So, um, you know, it's, it's the bears the, against the Steelers and it's the bears. Why are we starting Darnell Mooney? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I have him wide receiver 40. Am I that high on him at wide receiver uh, 40? You're a lot higher than Ryan. Okay. Is. Ryan has him at 50. Ryan says 
you Darnell Mooney shouldn't even <laughs> sniff like the more than the bottom spot on your bench. Like right. you should Ryan's basically saying you should go out of your way to reorganize your bench so that Darnell Mooney's at the bottom of it. And you're saying Mooney's at least in contention for that flex spot. No, and I do have some hope for him. It, it really it just comes down to this passing game volume from the Bears. And I know maybe that's not going to turn around, but Mooney's 13th in target share among wide receivers. Like he's getting the work. He just needs the whole pie to grow a little bit here. And I will say with the Steelers, it's a good defense, but I don't trust their offense. Like I I don't think they're just going to possess the ball the whole game at Pittsburgh. So I don't know. They could go back and forth here and Mooney gets plenty of opportunities. So I just think he's getting a lot of a high target share. Um, Fields should improve. Uh, We can't just project the same passing game volume all year. So hopefully it goes up. Okay. Uh, and then the, the, the two of you are both, uh, much higher than, uh, fantasy pros expert rankings are on Rashad Bateman. Um, Eric, you have met, uh, wide receiver 35, uh, Ryan at wide receiver 28. So Ryan, why, uh, why so high on Rashad Bateman? He's, I mean, again, just to go off some of the names we've already said, he's higher than Jalen Waddle for you. He's higher than, um, Hunter Renfro for you. Um, he's right up there next to like Devonte Smith. Uh, so, Rashad Bateman, Baltimore's coming out of a bye. What, what are we expecting here? Yeah, so we're going to get the post-bye rookie bump that we love talking about here. It worked for Michael Carter. Um, so that that's the narrative that I'm going to latch on to. Rashad Bateman <laughs> is just a player that I've decided I'm going to be ahead of consensus on and hope that it works out for me so I can look really smart. Um, mm, Cordero Patterson, too. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um but I mean, he's had six targets each of the past two weeks. Like he's clearly involved in this offense. He's getting down the field. So I'm encouraged by what I see. I think his share of this passing game is going to grow. And he's was just a really good college prospect. And we tend to see these guys get better throughout the year. So I'm trying to get ahead of it a little bit here. Okay. And then uh, Eric, you guys are both a lot lower on Tyler Boyd. So I'm going to make you talk about why you're so much lower on Tyler Boyd than consensus. Um, uh, Basically the consensus out there on him is that he's kind of a startable wide receiver at wide receiver 28. Like you're, you're plugging your nose a little bit, but you're putting him in your lineup. You've got him all the way down at uh, I believe wide receiver 38. Um, Where, why are you not playing Boyd? Yeah, I mean, when he's been good, he's been a dependable every week, just kind of PPR asset, catching a lot of passes. He has not been that this year. He's the clear third receiver on this team. They're playing against a good Browns defense. I know the Browns have had a lot of injuries, but they still can get after the passer. I worry about that with the Bengals offense this week. But, I mean, outside of last week, he put up 20 PPR points. They had that crazy game against the Jets. He scored a touchdown. But he really has not produced much when T. Higgins has been healthy this year. So, I just I don't think the floor is high enough on Boyd and he's not typically a player with a monster ceiling. So there are just other options I would rather look to just I I mean, we saw him put up two points against the Lions a couple weeks ago. So that's just kind of shows you where the floor can be here with Tyler Boyd. Yeah, I'm just going to say with with Boyd, you might look back at last year and say, well, the Bengals had three wide receivers last year um, between Higgins, Boyd and. Well, that was AJ Green. Uh, he's been replaced by Jamar Chase, who is a top five wide receiver pretty much any way you slice it right now. And also Joe Mixon is playing, which mm-hmm. is unusual. So, you know, there's a two players there that are, are taking touches away from Tyler Boyd. Um, Burrow is a much better quarterback this year um, than he was last year. I just think that the, the need for Tyler Boyd has greatly diminished in Cincinnati. So I, I, I'm more with you guys than than. Uh, consensus which is a shame because i drafted boyd in a few leagues this year i really was uh thinking that jamar chase was not going to be as good as he has been um 
let's just transition over to quarterback real quick. We don't need to get too deep into quarterback. We talked a lot already about Taysom Hill, um, about Carson Wentz, uh, and, and your uh, streamer of the week, Ryan, and uh, Tua Tagovailoa. Um, just any other names that pop out to you in terms of uh, quarterbacks that are, you know, droppable that may have been being started and guys that you can replace them with? Yeah, I'm not real up to date on the roster ship percentages of these guys uh, because I've had the good fortune of most of my quarterbacks are playing pretty well in my leagues. But I mean, Derek Carr gets a great matchup against the Giants if he's out there in some deeper or shallow leagues. I, I think that's a nice play. He's a safe play. Uh, other than that, like I think I'd be perfectly fine getting rid of Kirk Cousins here against the Ravens. Uh, that offense has looked terrible lately. They play so conservative. I'd rather move on with someone with a little more volume. But other than that, I, I think it's the typical names you're starting, you're sitting, uh, and some of the streamers we've already talked about. Yeah, Derek Carr available in uh, 26% of Yahoo mm-hmm. leagues. Um, by the way, Matt Ryan uh, ownership has plummeted down to 61%. So uh, I know I noticed that both of you have him, uh, you know, below your your 20s in yeah. at quarterback right now. Um, so definitely someone that you can move on from as well to replace with someone like a Carr, uh, Tua, Carson Wentz. Uh, Ryan, do you have any other any other thoughts on quarterback that you haven't already mentioned? Not really. Eric pretty much covered it. I guess I'll just say that I think you can play Jordan Love in DFS this week, um, but I would not put him into your normal seasonal league lineup. So that's that's my only take that I have to offer. All right, if you're in a two QB league with a super flex spot and it's like you know 18 teams, uh, go get Jordan Love. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's probably slightly better than that. Maybe maybe just a regular 12 team two quarterback super flex league uh tight end we already talked about pat fryermuth uh, quite a bit um he along with dan arnold and tyler conklin were the most added tight ends um in yahoo this week and uh ryan mentioned uh fryermuth as his streamer of the week um and talked a little bit at that time about dan arnold and tyler conklin as well so if you want to hear about them um go back to that timestamp. let's there's really one other tight end that we kind of need to talk about um and that's george kittle who uh you know, I don't, I don't know if I've seen anything this week on him, but all of the reporting uh, leading, you know, back when he was placed on IR was that he was going to play in week nine. Um, you know, are you at all concerned about, you know, this being his return from IR, uh, the kind of what you're going to get, uh, you know, from Kittle? Uh, I guess last week uh, Shanahan mentioned that he expects George Kittle back for week nine. So, um, is it an auto auto start or is it, you know, let's wait one week and just kind of make sure, uh, that he's fully, you know, integrated back into the offense. I, I, I don't think you worry about it because they had that 21 day practice window to get him back in the lineup and he's had four weeks. I'd expect him to be healthy. So I would fire up George Kittle as usual. I'm a little conservative and I have him a tight end seven, but you could rank him as high as probably tight end three. Um, he's, he's talented. He should be out there. Start him. Yeah, I pretty much agree. I have him at tight end nine. I, I do have guys like Dalton Schultz, Mike Gesicki ahead of him. So if somehow you had picked up either of those guys, I would probably still roll with them this week just for the safety. But most likely, if you have him, you're playing him. Yeah. And I will say the, the initial reporting on when Kittle was placed on, on injured reserve was that um, they felt like he could have played through the injury um, and it just was a, it never would have healed. And he just kind of would have been dealing with it all year long. So they just said, we have a three week IR. We'll just use that and then he'll be fine. So it sounds like that's what happened. Um, 
So definitely understand firing up George Kittle in his first game back from IR. Uh, and then finally, defense. Uh, we talked about the streamer of the week. That's Miami against Houston. Um, but what are some of the top defenses that you might be uh, sitting or outright dropping uh, this week as they've got maybe a tough opponent or just a, a situation you want to avoid? Yeah, I, you know, it just depends on your streaming options. I mean, the Ravens defense hasn't looked that great. Minnesota's a good enough offense. I would drop them if you can pick up a decent streamer. Uh, San Francisco against Arizona would be another one. And I mean, I've kind of given up on the Broncos. I know they had a good game last week, uh, you know, fantasy points wise. They scored 17 against Washington, but they had done almost nothing before that. They played Dallas this week, then Philadelphia, then a bye. So I don't know. I I think there's a lot of name value attached to the Broncos, but I just haven't been impressed with that team as a whole. And I usually don't want to start defenses on losing teams. So you can move on from the Broncos if you need to against Dallas. They also just lost Von Miller. So yeah, know, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's also going to affect them. Let me, let me ask you the tough question. Cause I think this is, this is the one that a lot of people are actually gra- definitely grappling with. I should say um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are on by this week. Um, they've only had two games where they've scored above. They've scored in double digits. Now it's a 21 point game against Chicago and a 19 point game against Atlanta. Um, and coming out of the bye, they face Washington, the giants, Indianapolis and Atlanta. Uh, oh, yeah. do you hold them through their buy uh, because of their schedule or are they, you know, hit and miss enough? I mean, like I said, two games in double and double figures, they scored zero against the Falcons, zero against the Rams, two against the Cowboys and four against the Eagles. So there's been quite a few duds in there as well. Do you hold Tampa Bay? Do you drop them for someone who's playing this week? I, I would ho- try to hold them if you are in a must win spot this week and you need some depth or your like running back position is just a mess and you need as many dart throws as possible, then move on. But if you can hold them, cause that's a great four game stretch there. And even the Colts who are a decent offense, uh, we know what Carson Wentz will do for opposing defenses. So I would keep them if you could, but it, again, it's defense. If you have to move on, don't think twice about it. Yeah, it is a beautiful stretch of matchups coming out of the bye. And I, like I said earlier, I don't think the streaming options are particularly strong this week. Like I, I would project Miami, my top streamer for maybe five points. So if you think five points could make the difference in your matchup, then go ahead and drop them. But if not, I can understand just keeping them and taking the zero if you really have to. This is why I need to wait until the podcast to to talk about these things. I, I dropped Tampa Bay in the league today, and I'm now looking at uh, their schedule. I, so I mentioned those four games, and then I stopped there because uh, Buffalo is who they have in their fifth game after the bye, one of the best offenses in the league. Here's their final four games, of which at least two of these, if not three of them, are going to happen during your fantasy playoffs. New Orleans, Carolina, the Jets, and Carolina. <sighs> Hang on to Tampa Bay. They literally have the Bills and I guess the Colts as the only two decent offenses they're facing the rest of the year. Uh, so, yeah, hang on to Tampa Bay. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for us here this week. Um, best of luck in your week nine um, you know, lineups. And, and here's hoping we're done with all the crazy news. I mean, or, or at the very least, all of the crazy news that we get is just following the same storylines. Like, I would love to see a lot more Odell Beckham Jr. drama. Uh, or Aaron Rodgers drama, uh, but like, can we? Let's just let's isolate it. Let's leave it there. We don't we don't need this spreading to all the other best players. Amen. Hey,